Thank you, Brother Bass. Let's lift our hands once again and worship the Lord tonight. Can we love Him and praise Him right now? Hallelujah, hallelujah. God, we give You glory. We give You honor. Give You praise for Your presence that we have felt. Your Spirit that's been with us in these services. God, would You undertake tonight once again. Lord, let Your Spirit overshadow this congregation. We'll give you the praise. We'll give you the glory. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Have your way here tonight, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Give him a hand clap of praise right now, would you? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. While you remain standing for just a few moments, uh, would let you sit down, but then you'd have to stand right back up. You might be sitting for a while tonight. Speaking of which, I appreciate all the smart remarks that have been made today about the length of my preaching. <laughs> Amen. <clears throat> but. Uh, uh, it's good to be here. I thank you, Brother Bass, for the invitation to come. And I enjoyed being at this meeting. I have come when I wasn't the, uh, a speaker in this meeting because I enjoy being here. I like what I hear. I like the fellowship of these men. I like what they stand for, what they're doing for the work of God, the burden that they have. And I count it a great honor to be asked to be a part of this meeting again this year. And I have so thoroughly enjoyed everything that I have heard. got here a little bit late in the service Wednesday night, just for the last few moments of Brother Rowley's preaching, but I am going to be listening to the tape to hear what I missed because I understand that it was a great message, knew it would be anyway. And uh, so then every man since him, as has already been said, has been a tremendous blessing to my life, Brother Hood, Yesterday morning challenged me so much to maintain my focus. And it's so easy to, ha to do when there's so many distractions. And uh, then Brother McKillop, he did something to me. He, he reached into my heart and kind of messed some things up in there. It's going to take a while for me to get it all worked out again. <clears throat> but I accept that challenge, and I know that we were all blessed by last night, Brother Howard, obeying God today again, the men that spoke. Right on to Brother Lambeth, who uh, I've said this before, I'll say it again. I have, I don't know how he feels, but I have adopted him as my brother. We have a lot in common. We grew up in Brazil on the mission field, and uh, we both fala português. And I can say Sister Nada. <laughs> Viva Brazil. <laughs> anyway, we have a lot in common growing up in missionary homes and uh, have had the work of the Lord at the epicenter of our lives, all of our lives. And I admire him so much in the work he's doing, and I have also made the statement that uh, someday when I grow up, I want to be just like him. When I get to be as old as he is, uh, you can tell he's a lot older than I am. <clears throat> uh, actually, I'm a little bit older than he is. But uh, 
anyway, it's good to be here tonight and uh, see this wonderful congregation, saints of God, and these great men of God that are standing behind me tonight. I love and appreciate every one of them, and they've all uh, made a contribution to my life, those that I have known and others just getting acquainted with. But I'm so thrilled to to find good men all across this country. Uh, I'm going to repeat myself again right now. I've gotten in trouble for making this statement, but I think I'm safe here. That, um, uh, you know, God is bringing men together across this country. Uh, They're crossing organizational barriers, and they're finding each other, and they're standing together. And I think it's high time that that happens. And I'm thrilled that it is happening. And I count it a privilege to be a little part of that. Praise the Lord. We don't stand together. We're going to fall one by one. We need one another. We need one another. And somebody made the statement one time that I need to decide what color I'm going to wear, the blue or the gray, or I'm going to get shot at from both sides. So I decided what color I'm going to wear. I'm going to wear red, the blood of the cross, and just stick with good men. Praise the Lord. I believe that tonight. And uh, I am thankful for every one of these brethren and uh, appreciate them so very much. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I wonder if you could sing a chorus with me tonight. I'm not even sure that everybody knows it, but maybe we can learn it real quick. Give me C, Brother Pixler. Just to walk with Him means everything to me. And just to know He's there and His hand is And though the world may pass me by and go their way, let it be just to walk with Him means everything to me. Sing it with me. Oh, just to walk with Him means everything to me and just to know he's there and his hand is leading me Let it be for just to walk with Him means everything to me. Could you close your eyes and enter into His presence right now? Just to walk with Him means everything to me. And just to know his hand is leading 
just let it be. For just to walk with Him means everything to me. Can you sing it one more time? Close your eyes and sing it. Oh, just to walk with Him means everything to me. say this evening because I'm not sure that this message really fits the format of this meeting, and yet it is the only message that I have felt on my heart for this service. I have not thought otherwise the whole time I've been here. I haven't had to wrestle over it. I just feel like it's right for this service. And I'm not going to be preaching to preachers tonight at all. <clears throat> I came to preach to this congregation of, of uh, wonderful saints of God tonight. If you're a saint of God, I came to preach to you tonight. And uh, this is a little unusual for me for this kind of, of, of meeting, this message, but uh, I feel it strongly impressed on my heart and so if you will turn with me in the book of John chapter 13 and take man maybe you can just rewind it and start over from this point give me plenty of time here praise the Lord hallelujah I feel a real burden in my heart tonight and somebody needs to hear what I'm going to say this evening. Somebody needs to hear what I'm going to say this evening. 
Praise God. John chapter 13. I'm reading beginning with verse number 1. Is it this mic here, brother? All right. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that His hour was come, that He should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved His own which were in the world, He loved them unto the end. And supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he was come from God and went to God, he riseth from supper, and laid aside his garments, and took a towel, and girded himself. And there follows, of course, a description of Jesus washing his disciples' feet and Peter arguing with him and finally saying, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And verse 10, Jesus saith unto him, He that is washed needeth not save to wash his feet, but is clean every whit. And you are clean, but not all. For he knew who should betray him. Therefore, said he, you are not all clean. Verse 18, I speak not of you all. I know whom I have chosen, but that the Scripture may be fulfilled. He that eateth bread with me hath lifted up his heel against me. Now I tell you before it come, that when it is come to pass, you may believe that I am he. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that receiveth Whomsoever I send receiveth me, and he that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. When Jesus had thus said, he was troubled in his spirit and testified and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. Then the disciples looked one on another, doubting of whom he spake. Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom, one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. Simon Peter therefore beckoned to him that he should ask who it should be of whom he spake. Then he then lying on Jesus' breast saith unto him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, He it is to whom I shall give a sop when I have dipped it. And when he had dipped the sop, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. And after the sop, Satan entered into him. Then said Jesus unto him, That thou doest, do quickly. Now no man at the table knew for what intent he spake this unto him, for some of them thought, because Judas had the bag, that Jesus had said unto him, Buy those things that we have need of against the feast, or that he should give something to the poor. He then, having received the sop, went immediately out, and it was night. One more verse. Therefore, when he was gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. And I'm going to speak to you tonight on this subject for a little while. <clears throat> the Jesus that Judas never knew. The Jesus that Judas never knew. God bless you. You may be seated.
Now, these events are well known to us who have been in church any length of time. And you know that these verses were not written concerning a man who was a stranger, a mere bystander or onlooker, just another face in the crowd. But uh, this was a man who was handpicked, hand-chosen, one of the inner circle, a chosen disciple of Jesus Christ. For some three to three and a half years, he had walked very closely with him. Uh, he had seen much about him. Uh, and from this vantage point, he had been privileged to know Jesus in ways that others did not know him. <clears throat> uh, he knew him, first of all, as an exceptional person, because aside from everything else, Jesus was a remarkable individual. His sensitivity to other people, his tenderness toward people, no doubt made him stand out among the rest. His dealings with everybody, including little children, on to the aged, uh, the way he responded to unique situations, the Samaritan woman, the uh, adulterous woman caught in the act, the woman with the alabaster box, uh, one after another, as these individuals come into his uh, attention, uh, he responds to them in a very, very special way, unlike, I'm sure, anybody else. Lepers, uh, people who were outcasts and rejects, the publicans, the sinners, those that nobody else would have anything to do with. Jesus had a way of reaching out to them without tainting Himself, without compromising His own principles. He was an individual who had his, Himself and His feelings and emotions always perfectly in check and in balance. Uh, there were times the Bible records that He was moved with compassion for the people so that he would weep as he looked at the multitudes, because they were as sheep having no shepherd. Amen. So he knew him as a very special person. He also knew him as a very gifted teacher. Uh, it, just that a casual glance would tell you that. Uh, he heard the wonderful words of life that he spoke. But he didn't just hear what the multitudes heard because there were numerous times when they would get away by themselves that Jesus would refer back to things that he had stated publicly to the crowds and then he would explain in greater detail to his disciples so that he received insights of the Word of God that nobody else was privileged to receive. Amen. Of Jesus, of course, it was said that no man spake as this man spake. And he got to hear him every day for three to three and a half years. Every word that came out of his mouth 
was the Word of God. There wasn't a single idle word. Nothing was ever said, amen, casual or coincidentally or by chance. Every word was fitly spoken and was forever settled in the heavens. Praise God. And of course, He saw Him as a miracle worker. This is what made Jesus stand out more than anything else. He saw all the powerful things that He did. He witnessed things that many, many people could only dream about. He, he saw the lame walk again. He saw blinded eyes opened up. I believe in even cases where there were no eyeballs and He created them. I believe that was the case of the man who Jesus spit on the ground and put mud in his eyes. Amen. He made man out of the dust of the ground. I suppose if he needed eyeballs, he could get it back from the original substance and make him some new ones. Praise the Lord. He, he saw men that and people that had their tongues bound and they were loosed and could speak. And, and the deaf heard and, and people who were maimed were restored. And most impressive of all, of course, he, he saw funeral processions interrupted and the dead raised to life again. Even a man who had been dead four days and had been in the ground came out bound hand and foot at the words of Jesus Christ. Amen. There were times when whole multitudes of the sick were brought to Him and they were healed, everyone. Never had eyes seen or ears heard the things such as Judas was privileged to see and hear. Every day was remarkable. Every day was something to talk about. There weren't any ordinary days in the company of Jesus. And yet in spite of all of that exposure to such a remarkable man, amen, something began to go wrong in the heart of Judas. I don't know what exactly it was, amen, that caused him to begin to plot and to scheme about betraying him and selling him out. Amen. You know what? It doesn't matter how impressive and dynamic things are. When you're around it continuously, even they can become routine. And I don't know if after a while, amen, it just wasn't quite what Judas expected. Maybe it no longer fit, amen, the image that he had in his mind of what the Messiah should be. And at some point or another, he began to get discontented and dissatisfied with what he saw and heard. I don't know if maybe he was as other Jews looking for more immediate results. If he was one of these that was expecting Jesus, amen, to declare himself the king of the Jews and, and lead a revolt against Rome and, and loose them from that oppression. Amen. And maybe he became impatient with the fact that it didn't look like Jesus was any closer. Amen. After three years than he was at the beginning to doing that. I don't know what it was. If he had his own agenda. If he had his own selfish reasons. And, amen. If something else was in his mind and he could no longer forfeit his own mission for the mission of Jesus Christ. Maybe he became wounded at some point or another. Perhaps offended 
ended. Amen. We know the incident, of course, at the house of, of Simon the leper when he resented, amen, the expense of the broken alabaster box and wished that that money would be given to the poor. Somewhere along the way, amen, Jesus was no longer everything to him. It just didn't fit his concept anymore. And so he began to nurse this plot and to hatch this scheme in his mind. He became increasingly impatient with him until, amen, he had a plan of betrayal, amen, uh, plotted out. Of course, Jesus knew about it. And it is revealed here in this chapter, amen, that Jesus identified him and let him know, amen, that he was aware of what he was doing. Amen. But what Judas somehow did not, could not get through his mind is what I want to impress on you here tonight. And that was, amen, that with all that he had seen and with all that he had heard and with all that he had experienced in the company of Jesus, Jesus was not through yet. There were other lessons yet to be taught. There were other manifestations of himself to make. And if Judas had just stuck around a little while, amen, some of his concerns and some of his questions just might have been answered. Amen. But you reach that very, that very uh, uh, dramatic moment in which Jesus says, whatever you're going to do, go out and do it quickly. And Judas rises from the table having just dipped with him in the sop. And he goes out of the door and the door slams shut behind him. Hallelujah. And uh, I wonder tonight if Judas could have gone through with what he was planning to do that night. If he could have heard the next words that came out of the mouth of Jesus as his footsteps began to recede down the stone steps from the upper room to the street level below. If he could have stayed just one more minute, Brother Pixler, and heard Jesus make the statement, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in Him. Oh, let's just lift our hands and talk to Him again real quick. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. I hope you'll bear with me here a little while this evening. Amen. You see, this is John chapter 13. Amen. In John chapter 17, it is a recording of the prayer that Jesus prayed for His disciples, which I believe, this is just my personal belief, that this was part of the prayer that was prayed at Gethsemane. Amen. This was the last time that Jesus was with His disciples. Amen. Before Him being taken in the garden. Between John chapter 13 and John chapter 17, are, of course, chapters 14, 15, and 16. Amen. All of these three chapters are part of the dialogue that Jesus had in this upper room after Judas had already left the room. Amen. And some of the most dramatic things that Jesus would ever say are found in these three chapters. Beginning with chapter 14 and verse number 1. I wonder, Judas... If you would have gone through with it, had you heard him say, Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. 
in my father's house are many mansions if it were not so I would have told you I go to prepare a place for you amen and if I go and prepare a place for you I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am there you may be also and whither I go you know and the way you know praise the Lord amen this is when amen Philip said or was it Thomas amen Thomas said Lord how can we know the way this is when Jesus said I am the way the truth and the life no man cometh to the Father but by me and when he started talking about his father Philip said Lord there's been something that's been bothering me there's something that's been disturbing me show us the father and Jesus said to Philip have I been so long time with you and yet hast thou not known me when you have seen me you have seen the father He established his identity beyond any question and beyond any doubt. Amen. That's not all. He goes on to mention to them the fact that he is going to give them some help that they have not previously had. Amen. He is going to give them a special ministry. And he said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me the works that I do shall he do also. And greater works than these shall you do, because I go unto my Father, and whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you shall ask anything, anything in my name, I will do it. I wondered, Judas, if you could have gone through it with it, if you'd have known that he was going to duplicate his ministry in the life of every man sitting in that room, that you were going to get a piece of the action like no other man was privileged to have. That's not all Jesus said. He said, I'm going to pray the Father, and he will give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But you know him, but you know him, for he dwelleth with you, and he shall be with you, in you, and I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you. Because he wasn't in the room anymore. He wasn't there to hear about the help that God was going to give them. He also wasn't there to hear but the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father shall send in my name. He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance. Whatsoever I have said unto you, peace I leave with you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Let me tell some of you folks that are sitting here tonight, amen, that have to survive on nerve medicine. You need something to help you go to sleep at night and something to help you get up in the morning and your eyes gnawing on your fingernails and worrying else is in your stomach. Jesus has promised us 
peace. Not as the world giveth. Amen. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God, praise God. All right, he's already talking about mansions. He's already talked about his identity. He's already talked about their ministry that they're going to have. He's already talked about the comforter. He's already talked about peace. And then in chapter 15 of John, he says, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. And he goes on to say, I am the vine. You are the branches. He establishes his working relationship with his disciples. Without me, you can do nothing. But the flip side of that is, without you, I'm not going to do anything. Because the vine doesn't bear fruit, the branches bear fruit. And if the branches bear fruit, he said, his father will be glorified. So if the branches bear fruit, and the branches give credit and glory to the vine, will not the vine supply everything that the branches need in order to be fruitful. We don't have to twist ourselves up as a pretzel in order to have a move of God. Let's just do as we've been hearing preached around here this these days and get an alignment with God and let the power of the Holy Ghost, that divine sap, flow through us and we will bear fruit to the glory of the Father. There's a lot more I could say about that, but I've got to hurry on. That's chapter 15. In chapter 16, he opens by talking to them about the fact that they are going to be persecuted. And everybody's not going to like them. Amen. And they're going to be hated because of his name's sake. And they're going to, there's going to be people that when they kill them, they're going to think that they're doing God's service. That's still going on, by the way. As he starts talking to them about that, amen, their brows get wrinkled and furled. They get concerned looking. There's a heavy spirit in the room now. Amen. Their hearts are saddened and sorrowful. Amen. And, and he told them, I'm going to go away. I'm going to go back where I came from. And he said, because I have said these things unto you, sorrow hath filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. I have to stop there. I have to stop there. Amen. Some of you haven't clicked yet here in this service. Let me try to reach you right now. I have to stop there. I got up to preach from this passage of Scripture in my church last year, just on a Wednesday night service. It was just supposed to be a one-night Bible class. Amen. About the work or the ministry of the Holy Ghost, that He will convict the world, convince the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. And when I was reading my text and I got to verse number 7, when Jesus said it is expedient for you that I go away, I stopped. And I could not read another word. And I stood at my pulpit and began to argue mentally and in my spirit with God. And I thought, God, that is impossible. There is no way that anything could be better 
than you being here physically. Amen. Let me ask you a question tonight. Which one in this congregation would not give everything you have, would not totally bankrupt yourself, would not put your house up for sale, your cars and everything you own, if you knew that you could come into a room and physically sit down next to Jesus Christ and talk to Him face to face. Maybe there is somebody that wouldn't, but I'll tell you now I would. I'd give everything I have, and I'd go in hot for the rest of my life. If I could walk in here tonight and see him physically standing on this platform and fall down at his feet and wrap my arms around him and weep and cry and talk to him and look into his face and hear him talk back to me. And yet Jesus said, it is expedient for you. He didn't say not for me. It's not just something I've got to do. I've got to leave you for a while, boys. But just hold on. I'll be back after a while. He said, it is better for you that I go away. What can be better than him being there physically, visibly in their presence? He goes on to say, if I go not away, the comforter cannot come. And when that revelation hit me, Lord, I wish I had the vocabulary tonight to express this. When I realized that the Holy Ghost that you got when you did your little juke and jive, and you talked in tongues, amen, and somebody said, whoop, around you, and you thought that was it, and you went home and put a little check mark in that little box on the little list of the requirements in the plan of salvation, and repentance done that. What a baptism in Jesus' name. Done that. Received the gift of the Holy Ghost. Speaking in other tongues. Did that. Now I can sit down and wait for the rapture. You have no concept in your mind of what God gave you when He gave you the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, you're clapping your hands, but you still don't have a concept. Do you realize that the Holy Ghost is so great? It is so wonderful that Jesus said before the comforter can come, I have to go away. It's better for you that I leave so the comforter can come. What in God's name can be better than having him physically with you? I'll tell you what is better. It's having him in you. It is Christ in you, the hope of glory. If we woke up to the fact that we have Jesus walking around inside of us, we quit worrying as much as we worry. We quit being as intimidated. We quit being as fearful. We would realize there is no power that can stand against us. For greater is He that is in you than He that is in the world. Come on, give him a hand clap of praise. I have to go away, but I'm going to give you something better. 
I have to go away, but I'm going to give you something better. Holy Ghost is more than just talking in tongues. I thank God for talking in tongues. I thank God for that part of the experience. But it's a whole lot more than that. Holy Ghost is more than just doing the heebie-jeebies. I'm juking and jiving and dancing around and saying, Whoa, it's, that's part of it too. And I'm glad when it comes. But when you don't feel it and when you can't do it, the power is still there. And if I come to church and I don't feel it, and if I come to church and I just can't do it, I know this much. He hasn't left. He hasn't abandoned me. He hasn't. I'm not making excuses for folks that don't worship. There are times when you can't get your hands up. There are times when you can't sing a song. But I'm glad there is something down inside of me that is telling me to go ahead. You may be seated. He goes on to say, A woman, when she is in travail, hath sorrow, because her hour is come. But as soon as she is delivered of the child, she remembereth no more the anguish for joy that a man is born into the world. Hold on now. And you, have, you now therefore have sorrow. But I will see you again, and your heart shall rejoice. And your joy no man taketh from you. He's already talked about peace. He's already talked about comfort. And now he's talking about joy. By the way, let me just drop a word in here. When you got the Holy Ghost, that was part of the package. That was not optional equipment. That's not part of some kind of deluxe, amen, version of the Holy Ghost that you may or may not have gotten. When you get the Holy Ghost, you get the whole enchilada. It is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So it's just not my style. It ain't you anyhow, honey. It's something inside of you. You can be reserved and backward in every other area of your life. But when the Lord begins to move, there's something that will begin to stir and respond and react within your soul. I thank God for joy. Amen. Whether you have a job or don't have a job. Joy whether you're physically fit or whether you're sick. Joy whether you're living for God with your family or whether you're the only one trying to do it by yourself. It's still joy. It's still joy. Unspeakable and full of glory. Amen. And in that day you shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, He will give it you. Hitherto have you asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you shall receive, that your joy may be full. I thought about that today while Brother Lambeth was preaching. God saying in essence in the Old Testament, I'd roll the river back again if somebody would just ask me. And I thought, I wonder how many questions are eaten away at our brains. Amen. And we are puzzled over them simply because we have never bothered to ask Him. If any man lacking wisdom, let 
wants you to experience. He wants your joy to be full. I've got to hurry tonight. Amen. But I want to point something out. That towards the end of this dialogue, after Jesus is just giving them nugget after nugget, truth after truth, amen, revelation and insight after insight, His disciples said unto Him, Lo, now speakest thou plainly, and speakest no proverb. Now we are sure that thou knowest all things, and needest not that any man should ask thee by this, we believe that thou came it forth from God. You know what they're saying? Now we understand. Oh, I see. Have you ever tried to explain something to a child? And you try and try and find it. They say, oh, I see. Now the disciples are saying, oh, I see. Now we understand. Now it's clear. Now it's all coming into focus. And many of their questions were answered because they stayed long enough to hear them. But Judas was not in the room. He finishes by saying, Behold, an hour cometh, yea, is now come, that you shall be scattered every man to his own, and shall leave me alone. And yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. These things I have spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. He spoke of it as though it had already happened. Amen, Brother McCullough, just like you was preaching. Amen, we're asking God to do things that in His mind He's already done. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. The end is not in doubt. The result is not in question. It's a foregone conclusion. We're going to come out on top. We're going to come out victorious. However this night turns out, boys, remember, Remember this, I have overcome the world. But Judas was not there. He was instead out there somewhere consorting with the enemies of Jesus Christ. And so, not only did he miss out on these powerful insights... But there were other revelations uh, of Jesus concerning Himself that He failed to see. For one thing, He was not there to see His prayer in the garden and His agony and His passion. Oh, Judas, if you could have witnessed Him in prayer, if you could have heard His agony, if you could see Him when His sweat was, as it were, great drops of blood, and He agonized and wrestled within Himself and submitted the will of the flesh to the will of God. Amen. And came out victorious 
from that as well. Could you have thought so little of Jude Judas if you had seen and felt his passion? Have you ever been around somebody who's travailing in prayer? Doesn't it do something to you? Can you just walk around idly and not be moved by it without saying, Oh God, help us Jesus. Immediately you begin to feel the effects of that agony and that intensity. Who could have been within each earshot of Jesus and not been affected as he wrestled for all the sins of the world? He comes a little later, but it is to lead a mob for betrayal. Hope you'll bear with me tonight. Amen. Out of the night, here they come, flickering torches, the increasing volume of voices in anger. Amen. And the crowd comes into view. Jesus goes out to meet them and asks the question, Who do you seek? Just one last little reminder of who He is. They said, Jesus of Nazareth. And the great I Am said, I am He. And when He did, they all went backward and fell to the ground. I mean, a powerful force knocked them over like a bunch of bowling pins. And Jesus is standing there with a slight smile on his face. Amen. And he says again, I I asked you, who are you seeking? And they're getting up and dusting themselves off. I don't know about you, but if it had been me, I'd have have thought, you know, I'm going home to Mama. I got other things to do. Y'all get him. Amen. But instead, they advanced toward him again. And this time, Jesus toned down the volume. And he said, I told you that I am he. And he submitted himself so that they would know once more. Amen. I'm not, you're not taking me by your will. I'm giving myself up. Nobody takes my life from me. I lay it down of myself. And Judas walks up to give him the kiss of betrayal. And Jesus looks into his face by the light of the torches. Amen. In the middle of the night. And he said, "Uh, how are you come, friend, friend? Amen. And he submits to the kiss of betrayal. And then rough hands grab a hold of him. And Judas vanishes into the night. But oh, Judas, if you could have just followed along and seen him as he was interrogated and questioned. And one trumped up witness was brought up after another. Amen. And they, they leveled their charges and their accusations. If you could have seen the serenity on his face. If you could have seen his poise and calm. How collected he was. How unperturbed he was. Not begging for his life. Not groveling at their feet. But standing there. Amen. With the, with the expression of one who knew exactly what he was doing. And everything was going exactly according to plan. It is evident that at some point or another, Judas has second thoughts. 
because he comes in trembling and takes the price of betrayal and throws it down at the floor. Amen. In front of the priests and they, and he says, I have betrayed an innocent man. I don't know if he really yet fully understood who this man was. Amen. Maybe it was just guilt over surrendering. Amen. Such a good man to the authorities. He throws the silver down. They say, what is that to us? You see to that. And he went out and in his desperation, he hung himself. The rope broke. His body is dashed on the rocks below. And Judas is no more. But Judas, if you could have been in the crowd, when they strapped him to the whipping post, amen, and they rent his robe, and that cruel Roman soldier drew back on the whip, some say the cat of nine tails, it doesn't matter what it was. What does matter is that the prophetic scripture said, The plowers plowed upon my back. They made long their furrows. Amen. And whip lash after whip lash, his back is laid open until his flesh hangs like tattered pieces of rag. And blood is flying across the air and splattering the bystanders. And Jesus Groaned and groaned, amen, with the, every, every lash of the whip. And yet there were no curses hurled at the man who bore the whip. There were no angry, vindictive looks given toward the crowd. Just a submission as a lamb laid, led to the slaughter. Amen. Oh, Judas, if you could have seen him. And when they put the crown of thorns on his head and laid that cross on his back and he walked toward Golgotha. Amen. And they were kicking at him and spitting on him as he went by. Just a handful of mourners following along behind. But Jesus still has no vengefulness. Amen. No hatred in his face, on his countenance. What a disturbing sight to see a man going toward a cruel and human death. Amen. And doing it so peaceably and doing it so serenely. It was a sight that no man had ever witnessed before. They usually begged for their life. They cried out for mercy. They called out to the authorities. Amen. You could have seen him as they drove the nails into his hands and feet and hoisted him up between earth and sky. And there he hung. Amen. And the hillsides of Judea were covered with the angelic hosts of God. John said 10,000 times 10,000. That's at least two, that's at least 100 million angels plus filled. I guarantee you there was none AWOL that day. There was none in another place. This was the main event. This was the biggest thing that had ever happened. And the hillside was filled with them. Judas, if your eyes could have been opened to have seen that angelic heavenly host with their swords drawn waiting for a quiver of his eyebrow. Amen. For a word from his lips. They would have descended on humankind. And made mincemeat out of every one of them. And restored him to his rightful place. But instead as they hurled their curses and abuses. And ridicule and scorn. And accusations. Hear him Judas as he said. Father forgive them. For they know not what they do. 
Stay with me tonight. Hey man, wonder Judas what you would have thought. Amen. After several hours and blood is oozing from him and his strength is going fast. And he's having to push himself up on those nails in his feet to get a gasp of breath and then sag back down. As his arms are extended and pulling on his chest muscles and cramps are, are gripping his body everywhere and his skin is turning, amen, white because of loss of blood. Amen. And it's coming harder and harder and his breaths are shallower as he raises himself up one last time and the cry of exaltation goes out across the ages of time it is finished and his body sagged in death and as that pure immaculate blood seeped into the ground the ground had never tasted blood like that before Millions of gallons of blood have seeped into the ground through the heinous, murderous, and wicked acts of men. But it had never tasted sinless blood before. And as the blood seeped into the ground, the ground began to convulse and shake as if to vomit out that righteous blood. The sky refused to look. The sun refused to shine. Darkness overspreads the sky. And there he hangs... And it is not a chosen disciple of Jesus who is at the foot of the cross who utters some of the most memorable words there that day. But it was a pagan idol worshiper, a heathen, a Roman centurion who looks up at this scene and sudden recognition comes to him. And he smites his breast and says, Surely this man was the Son of God. Oh, Judas, if you could have been there three days later when the Praetorian Guard is around the tomb and it is sealed up fast against any break-in and entry. Hallelujah. But in the early hours of the morning, a bright flash of light, another earthquake, and that stone begins to roll back. Amen. And Jesus steps out triumphantly from the grave. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In resplendent glory. Judas, if you could have seen him then, you could have never gone through with it. In three days' time, you would have known that death could not hold him. That the grave was powerless. If you could have been there in the upper room when the doors are locked and the windows are barred and they're huddling in there in fear. Amen. And they're wondering about all of these rumors that are spreading around that Jesus has risen. Some of them have indeed gone to the empty tomb and they're still wondering about all this. And Mary says she's seen Him in the garden and suddenly He appeared in front of them and said, Peace be unto you. Hallelujah. And they knew beyond any shadow of a doubt He is risen. He is alive forevermore. You could have been there when Thomas falls in front of Him and Jesus said, See my hands. See my side. That it is Me. And He said, My Lord and my God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And several times over the ensuing weeks, 
he reveals and manifested himself to them. Amen. Finally, several weeks later, he leads them to a little place outside of the city. Amen. And he gives them one last instruction. Go tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. And suddenly he began to arise and ascend out of their midst. And they looked at him until he had gone out of sight. And they looked at each other not knowing what to do. And the angels appeared and said, go to Jerusalem like he said. And wait for the promise of the Father. So they go back to Jerusalem, back to the same upper room, and they waited there for several days in prayer and meditation and contemplation. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues as of fire, and it sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and spoke with tongues as the Spirit of God gave utterance. Excuse me just a minute. Excuse me just a minute. Am I in a Pentecostal church? Did I just quote to you some of the most dynamic scriptures in all of the Word of God? And you can sit there like a knot on a log. Amen. And you can be unmoved and unperturbed. Amen. Just because it's old news to us now. I'm going to tell you again. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, just like Jesus said it would, there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. They spoke in tongues, they shouted, they danced, they spilled out of the upper room to the street below. Amen. They're, they're hopping up and down, they're screaming and hollering, and folks start gathering around. And Peter gets up on a soapbox and begins to preach the first message in the New Testament church. And when he was done, they said, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized. Every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen. For as many, amen, as gladly received the word, were baptized, and there were added unto them 3,000 souls. And the New Testament church was born, and it was unstoppable. And the fires of persecution raged and scattered Amen. The believers to the four corners of the world until nation after nation was conquered by the power of this great gospel. Oh, you can be seated. The door was open to the Gentiles, even to Rome, which was conquered finally but in a different way, so that the apostle can write to those that were at Rome also, that were in Caesar's household, a kingdom that transcended nations, transcended language, race, and creed. And I'm so glad for it tonight. I am the product of it. You hear me? I said I am the product of it. God had to work miracles that stagger my mind to this day to take the gospel to where my family was, thousands of miles 
away from here and bring to us the light of this revelation. And you think I'm going to sit around haphazard and indifferent and unconcerned? I am eating up, Brother Davis. This has got a hold of me. It is the only gospel. It is the only message. It is the only way. Be seated. But Judas missed it all for his short-sightedness, for his selfishness, for his unreasonable expectations. He was willing to walk out on the brink of some of the greatest events this world has ever witnessed. And he never saw and he never heard the things that I have related to you because he was already gone. Oh, if he could have seen Jesus as John saw him on the Isle of Patmos when he said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. And I heard a voice behind me saying, I am Alpha and I am Omega. I am the first, I am the last. I am the beginning, I am the end. And he turned around and oh, what he saw. Such a dynamic and glorious visage. Amen. Clothed to the feet with a garment. Amen. Gird about the paps with a golden girdle. Head and hair white like wool. Amen. Feet like brass that burn in a furnace. Eyes like coals of fire. Amen. A sharp two-edged sword going out of his mouth and his countenance like the sun shining in its strength. John saw it just because he stayed around long enough. <clears throat> oh, I feel the Holy Ghost here tonight. Hey Amen. John saw him. That's not all he saw. You can be seated. He saw a city coming down from God out of heaven. It had 12 foundations of precious stones. Judas, if you could have stayed long enough, you would have seen your name on one of the foundations of the New Jerusalem inscribed there for all time. Let me try to impress something on you real quick. Jesus knew everything Judas was going to miss out on when he walked out that door. But after warning him, he let him go. He didn't say to the other disciples, grab him, tie him down. I got a few more things I want to say. Amen. Lock him up in a house for a few more days. If he can just last a few more days, a lot of his questions are going to be answered. A lot of things that are troubling him are going to be worked out. If he can just hold on for a few more days. Throw a body block on him. Tackle him. Hold him down. Instead, he looks into his eyes and says, Whatever you're going to do, go do it quickly. Now it is obvious to you tonight that I am not here to talk to you about Judas only. 
but I'm here to talk to you. I'm here to talk to some of you who, if the Lord tarries another year, will not be at SCORE conference. Not because you can't afford to come, but because you will not be in a position to come. Amen. And we are sitting at the Master's table, and for the last three days we have been dipping in the sop. We have heard His words and felt His presence. But He will only talk to you so long before He just says, Okay, go and do what you're going to do. Now let me back up here a little bit and say something. We, just like the hand-picked and chosen disciples of Jesus, have been brought into a wonderful circle, an inner circle, a fellowship of the presence of God like this world doesn't even begin to suspect. The Baptists have no clue. The Methodists know nothing about it. The Catholics with all of their idols and candle burning and, and bead counting, they don't know what I'm talking about. And many of those that go, amen, to some of the most beautiful church structures around the country have never felt what you have felt, have never heard what you have heard, have never seen what you have seen. God has been gracious to you and I to bring us into His fellowship, into this inner circle. Some of you have college degrees. You are intellectual. You are very learned in your fields of labor. And yet you were going on merrily through life, never knowing that this existed, never knowing that this was even in the world, until one day God had mercy enough on you to bring you into His house. And you started hearing things you had never heard before. I said you started hearing things like you never heard before. You started seeing things like you never saw before. I'm going to tell you something. There is nothing like a real, genuine, bona fide move of the Holy Ghost. The charismatics cannot duplicate it. They've learned the motions. They've learned the gestures. But they don't have the power. We have the power. You've seen it, and you have felt it, and you have heard it. And the first times that you saw it and heard it and felt it, you said, oh my God, I didn't know this existed. I didn't know this was even available to me. And you couldn't wait to get to the house of God and enter into His presence. You couldn't wait to get to the prayer meetings. You couldn't wait till the preacher would preach. And you've been sitting around this dynamic atmosphere, some of you, for years until it has been become routine. I told you I didn't know if this fits. I just know what I feel. Whether you have been raised in church or whether you were converted out of this world, you're going to be seated. You have seen, felt, amen, and touched things that the world knows nothing about. You know something that Albert Einstein doesn't didn't know. 
He figured out E-M equals MC squared, but he never did figure out Acts 2.38. Which is the formula for the most explosive experience this world has ever known. That is still the truth tonight, by the way. You still got to repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. It'll change your life. It'll break those ungodly habits. It'll break the chains of your soul. It'll make a new creature out of you. It'll put your home back together again. It'll put love back in your marriage. It'll put hope back in your soul. Acts 2.38. So what? Whoopie-doo. Big deal. I still get a tingle. I still feel a quiver. I still feel duck pimples on my goose bumps. When I think about this great gospel, this great message. Don't you remember when you came to the meeting one night and your heart wasn't right? But something! You didn't know what it was, but something got a hold of you! You can be seated, and your ears have been blessed by truth. You come several times a week. Sit yourself down in your little pew and wait for your pastor to get up and preach and do his thing so you can get to the restaurant in time before they close. And you have no concept that the wonderful words that are coming across the pulpit, thousands of other churches have never heard them. Amen. Praise the Lord. Lord, help me tonight. And so after years of seeing, and after years of hearing, and after years of experiencing, all of a sudden you look up one day, and there's a blank look on somebody's face. And there's a far-off look in their eyes. And I don't know what's happened to them, but suddenly their agenda has changed. Their expectations no longer match what they feel like they're getting out of the house of God. They're not happy here anymore. It doesn't do for them what it used to do. It doesn't excite them like it used to excite them. Some of you are looking at me thinking, I wonder who he's preaching to. I'm preaching to you. If you're in this building, I am preaching to you. I don't know what happens to people. I don't know if it's because, amen, they have uh, unrealistic desires and expectations or some kind of weird concept develops in their mind. Maybe it's just that some people cannot accept God's will for their lives. You know, hey man, they can, I mean, they can almost adore their leadership and worship the ground he walks on until he tells them no. Right. 
And when he has to tell them no, all of a sudden, he's a devil, he's a demon, he's an enemy. You can help people through a dozen crises, and they'll thank you and drool, amen, and try to express themselves on our help. Thankful they are for your help, but just tell them no one time. And it cancels out everything you have ever done to help them. Amen. Oh, I'm talking to you tonight. Amen. I thank God for what I've been hearing in this meeting. And I'm trying to reach somebody out there right now. You hear me. Amen. Some just grow disillusioned. I don't know what it is, but they just, uh, they just get disillusioned. And all of a sudden they're just, you know, they're just confused and bewildered. And uh, they get frustrated and they don't know which way is up. And they do the unbelievable thing. They stay home until they can start figuring it out again. You'll never figure it out away from the presence of God. Remember that this comforter is the spirit of truth. It will take from Him and reveal unto you. But you've got to be in His presence. Oh, come on. Some of you are in your going home mode and I'm trying to reach somebody right now. Others, their experiences no longer match what they read in the Bible. They have things happen to them that they never never expected or calculated or put into the equation. And the, the life just throws them a curve. And they try to match what's going on in their life to what's written in the book. And they can't make any sense out of it. So they throw their hands up, amen, in despair and walk away. Can I tell you, if your life doesn't seem to match what's written in this book, it's not this book, it's your understanding of it. If you'll just stay around a little longer, some of those questions will be answered. Others just get offended or get wounded. Somebody says or does something that hurts them. And it begins to eat away at them. And when they come to church, they can't hear what the preacher's preaching. Because all they can see is that individual sitting across the church from them. Who's acting like they're enjoying God and worshiping Him. And you're thinking, how can they worship? How can they act like nothing's wrong? When they stepped on my feelings. When they hurt me deeply. When they offended me. When they said this or did that. Who gives a care what they did? Stay in the fellowship of God. Amen. Still others just get to where they love this present world. And so they trade this for some cheap, passing, transient thrill that can be experienced in the pleasures of sin. And let's just be honest about it. There are pleasures in sin. I mean, there's, it doesn't do for us to stand up here and say, there's no pleasure. There is pleasure in sin. It doesn't last long. It's very shallow. 
It's not enduring, but there is some pleasure in sin. I didn't say joy. I didn't say peace. Because that you only have in the Holy Ghost. But there is some pleasure in sin. But there is a fuller and more complete form of pleasure that cannot be found in sin. It's the kind that the psalmist said, in his presence is fullness of joy, and at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. But for whatever reason, and the reason isn't all that important, because it can be any one of a hundred different reasons, a thousand different reasons, all of a sudden you see that one just holding back, hanging back. Amen, isn't technology wonderful? But just listen to me. Amen. And you start preaching to them and reaching for them. But they have built a wall between them and you. And after a while you know that nothing you say is going to make any difference. So all you can say is, go. But when you go, and you walk out of the doors of the house of God, have you any idea that it just might be that the very service after you walk out of the house of God, God is going to speak through His Word. And He's going to say things that if you had stayed long enough, you would have begun to say, Oh, I see! Now I understand. Now speakest thou clearly. Have you any idea what you're going to leave behind when you walk out of those doors? The insights and the revelations of God concerning Himself that He wants to reveal to you yet. The blessings that He has to pour out to you yet. Amen. You may have been sitting there weeks on end. I don't feel nothing. I can't feel God anywhere. I've sought for Him in front. I've sought for Him behind. I've sought for Him on the right hand. And I've sought for Him on the left hand. But it looks like He's nowhere to be found. Everybody else gets blessed but me. What's the use. There's no purpose in going back. And you don't know that the next service was the service that God was going to open the windows of heaven. Lord, I wish I had the strength in my voice tonight to preach like I want to preach. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. We've been hearing about it here in these services. The times of refreshing that come from the presence of the Lord. Have you ever came to the house of God in a midweek night service expecting just an ordinary service, expecting another long Bible lesson in which you were going to have to struggle to stay awake? Amen. You came expecting something ordinary, but when you walked into the house of God, you could just sense when you came through the doors that something was going to be different about that 
service. The song leader couldn't really lead songs. The musicians couldn't play without getting beside themselves. And the glory came down and filled our souls. And God manifested His presence to you. You think you've heard it all? You think you've seen it all? Can I tell you that as long as I've been in church and that's all my life, I have heard things in this meeting that I had never heard before. I saw things in this meeting that I had never seen before. As each one of these men preached and spoke, my mind was opened up. God talked to my heart. He took things apart, rearranged them, snapped them back together. A few others going to take a little longer than that. Amen. But revelations of God that sometimes leave you with tears running down your face and a grateful heart thinking, Oh God, I'm so glad that I was here to hear that. What about that unsaved relative? You've been praying for for years. You're about to give up on them. About to give up on those children ever coming back to church. About to give up on that old hard-hearted husband. It looks like he just gets more wicked every day. It's possible that he may never be saved. But how do you know? But what the very next week, something it might happen. Amen. That's going to bring everything just in line. To where that man's going to come down that aisle. Amen. Weeping and crying and snotting and falling into the altar. And crying out to God for repentance. You just have to stand. God help me tonight. What about that day? What about that special day that we have been looking forward to for so long now? Looks like it's never going to happen. The year 2000 came and we're almost a month gone into it. Nothing's happened. Everybody was braced for Y2K. Nothing happened. World's clicking along just like it ever was. Amen. The backsliders are already beginning to relax. The world is getting harder. Amen. They're getting less concerned. They're giving themselves more to evil. And it looks like our task is harder than it's ever been before. But one of these days, you're going to just be driving down the road on your way to work. And something is going to happen. Someday, you're going to be pushing a grocery cart down the aisle of the grocery store with nothing but green beans and corn on your mind. And the next thing you're going to know, you're going to be flying through the air, crying hallelujahs and glory unto God. Someday, you're going to walk into the house of God. Amen. Sit yourself down and pick up your songbook to sing. And before you can sing one stanza of I'll fly away, you're going to fly away. Someday, 
You're going to lay down in your bed to sleep at night. And when you wake up, not to the alarm clock, you're going to wake up to the sound of a trumpet blaring through the sky. And you're going to be quickened and risen. And through the air you will go. seated. I got to tell you this. I was preaching for Brother Lawhorn last month in Bedford, Virginia. One day we went to pray for, for an older black sister in the church, Sister Arlene. Amen. I'm glad you took me, brother, to pray for Sister Arlene. I'll never forget that experience. She'd had a heart attack or something. Was that a heart attack she'd had? Been in the hospital for a while. Amen. While she was in the hospital, she was hooked up to a whole bunch of stuff, and then she'd finally gotten better, and they'd let her go home, but they were waiting to schedule her for, I think, bypass surgery or something like that. But anyway, so we went to pray for her. She was not very strong in her body, so she hadn't been able to be at the special services. She finally did on, come on Sunday night, but, but uh, she was very weak physically, and we prayed for her. And of course, her family was gathered around, and, and she got to talking to us about what happened to her while she was in the hospital. She said she was laying there all hooked up with tubes and cords and lines and wires, amen, sticking to every part of her body. And she said she opened her eyes and there stood two angels of the Lord. Now, you don't have to believe this. If you don't believe this kind of stuff, just tune me out. Tune me out. For the rest of you, listen up. She said they stood there and they said, come on with us. We're going to take you for a ride. And she said, she rose out of that bed, and they went flying through the air. And they were flying through the expanse of space so that she could look back and see the world. And out in the distance, she saw the lights of the city. And she said, I always thought that angels flapped their wings when they flew. But she said, they just keep them, kept them behind them. And they just soared through the air. And she said, ooh, what a ride. And she went to go and whoop, ta, 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 ta. And we all started feeling something in that room.
Even those on her back she could have never reached if she had been strong. And they were fussing at her and telling her not to do that again. And she said, how could I explain? She said, you know, you black folks talk, you talk your own peculiar talk. I like it. She said, I was a laying there just a smirking. She knew what they didn't know. She knew what they didn't know. She stood up Sunday night and testified. She said, if those angels ever come back again, I'm going to tell them, don't bring me back. I've got nothing to come back for. Just take me on home. Can you bear with me a few more minutes? A few more minutes? Hey, man, you've probably heard me say this before, but I'll tell you again anyway. Speaking of Albert Einstein, I read something about him. He made this statement. Amen. That man, now this is back in the 30s and 40s before it happened, so it was a very, very significant statement. He said, man may someday break the sound barrier. Amen. Which is what? 700 and some miles per hour. Man may someday break the sound barrier, but he will never break the speed, the, the light barrier. 186,000 miles per second. When the space shuttle is orbiting the earth, it is orbiting at 17,000 miles per hour. Now that's incredibly fast for our, us land lovers. Amen. But uh, the speed of light is 186,000 miles per second. This is what he said. And I believe he said it under divine inspiration. Doesn't mean he was saved. Doesn't mean he knew the truth. But I believe God used that man to speed mankind up to the end. I was reading that in the library, Brother Davis, and I had to go, whoop! Amen. I already know what that is. I already know what that is. We shall be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. Mortals shall put on immortality. Corruption shall put on incorruption. Weakness shall put on power. And we shall be changed. about it if we have hope only in this life we are of all men most miserable in a moment zip stop and we're flying through the air and something happens to these old bodies and cars go crashing into the ditch Amen. And grocery carts just start, amen, gliding to a stop in the middle of the aisle. Nobody behind them. Amen. Some books fall to the ground. Hallelujah. Clothes fall in a heap. And we fly through the air. Change in a moment. I don't know about you, but I want to be in that number. But you've got to stay long enough. So you think you've seen it all, do you? You thought about that new Jerusalem coming down? 
with those 12 foundations we were speaking of earlier, some 15 or 1600 miles this way, 15 or 1600 miles that away. Hey Amen. Now that's big. You might think that ain't all that big. The United States is bigger than that. We're talking about a city, honey. I said we're talking about a city. That's just a capital city. The worlds will be ours. The galaxies will be ours. The heavens will be ours. That's just a capital city. The city of Sao Paulo, Brazil, which is, I believe now, the second largest city in the world in population, amen, is some 60 miles in diameter. 60 miles going one way before you come out of the city proper, amen. But that's a drop in a bucket compared to 15 or 1600 miles this way. 15 or 1600 miles that way. But the clincher is 15 or 1600 miles that way. Walls of glistening jasper, gates, amen, of pearl, and streets of gold so pure they're like transparent glass. And some people are still thinking, yeah, but I'd like to go to the honky tonk. If I could just go to a bar, see what it's like, a nightclub with his flashing lights and throbbing music. I just want to experience that one time. And you're around the best thing in the world. And you're thinking about trading it. And you're only going to hear it so long before God says, Go ahead, honey. Walk on out the door. And you have no clue what you're going to miss. You have no idea what you're going to leave behind. Amen. But you've got to stay around long enough. I'm closing. I know this has been a simple message. Amen. I'm sorry if it wasn't deep and profound. I'm talking about the Jesus that Judas never knew. He died with his bowels gushed out on the rocks because he never heard him say what he said after he walked out in the upper room. And he never saw what he could have seen if he'd have been there a few days later. And he never experienced what he could have experienced if he in there a few weeks later. Hallelujah. Just a few hours, a few days, a few weeks, and all this confusion would have been cleared up and everything would have been resolved. But he didn't stay long enough. Amen. There is a Jesus you haven't seen yet. Oh, yes, there is. Oh, I know all about No, you don't know anything about Him. I wonder what it's going to be like on that day. Amen. When this mortal puts on immortality and we are quickened and we come into His presence. Hallelujah. For the Lawler was singing about it earlier. You know with that, that when Moses stood in the presence of God, and God let him see just his hinder parts. When he came down off that mount, his flesh was glowing like a light bulb. And he had to wear a veil so the people could just converse with him. So profound was the effect of the presence of God on his natural body.
There's something even better than that. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not because it knew Him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know, but we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him. For we shall see Him. For we shall see Him as He is. Not as He was. We shall see Him as He is. Amen. Can I tell you tonight? It will be worth it all when we see Jesus. Our trials will seem so small when we see Christ. One glimpse of His dear face and all our sorrows will erase. So bravely run this race till we see Christ. As I journey through the land, singing as I go, pointing souls to Calvary, to the crimson flow. Many arrows pierce my soul from without within. Hallelujah. But my Lord leads me on. Through Him I must win. And oh, I want to see Him look upon His face. There to sing forever of His saving grace. On the streets of glory, let me lift my voice. Cares are past. Come on, folks, give me one or two more minutes. Can you imagine what you're going to feel? And what you're going to think when you're standing on those streets of gold. And you look around you for the very first time. And it dawns on you what's really happened. And you begin to shout, I made it! I made it! I made it! But you just have to stay long enough. You've got to stay through a few more routine services. Not every service is a new high water mark. Not every service is an exulting sensation. Not every service is something to write home about. Some services you come, you do, you hear, and you go home. What's wrong with that? A day in thy courts is better than a thousand. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. A routine service in the house in the presence of God is better than any excitement in any nightclub that you can go to tonight. It's better than any rock concert. It's better than any Super Bowl. This is it. This is the main event. This is where it's at. This is where it's happening. You just have to stay long enough. 
And one of these days it's going to be anything but routine. Anything but ordinary. Anything but commonplace. I mean, this service is ending a little different than what I have even thought it might, but I feel the presence of God here right now. While well, heads are bowed and eyes are closed. We have stood and sat in the presence of God. We have dipped in the sop with Him. wonder if somebody would be honest enough, sincere enough, to step out from where you're standing and come down the aisle. Say, but I don't want everybody to look at me. I'm going to be too embarrassed. But do you know how horrible it's going to be to walk out those doors? And fail to hear the words, Now is the Son of Man glory.